Hey, Matt. I mean, Mark, go back to that slide a second. I'm sorry, folks. No, the first one. You want to fix his first name? Fix that? That's kind of a, that's a promotion, isn't it? It is a promotion, <laughs> a big one. I should have not said anything and seen if anybody noticed. We are having some technical issues this morning, so if everybody would be patient with us. And Mark, give me the high sign when you're ready. Good morning, Firewheel, and welcome. So glad to see you all in-house this morning. And for those of you at home, we welcome you as well. It is the Christmas season, and Jesus is the reason for the season. So if everyone would rise and join with us this morning in song, praising our Lord.
Grace that flows like a river washing over me. Fount of heaven, love of Christ, overflow in me. Thank you, Jesus. Set me free. Christ, my Savior, you rescued me.
and family. There is a chill in the air. The Christmas trees and lights are going up. The eggnog is getting poured and the ugly sweaters are being dusted off. It is Christmas time at Firewheel. And I would like to share with you this week's announcements. In the spirit of giving, we have again partnered with Life Message Food Pantry and we'll be accepting non-perishable food items through the month of December. You can bring it to the lobby or you can actually drop it off in front under the porticoche where boxes will be set up. We have also partnered with King's Closet and are accepting winter warmth items. So please clear out your old coats, blankets, socks, hats, scarves, and let's show the folks of Dallas who don't have those items the love of Jesus. Now, as you are planning your Christmas items and stocking stuffers, we want to remind you that our new t-shirts are here. So if you want to shine love on friends and family, you can pick up a shirt here at the church. They are $12. And as we are wearing our masks on Sunday morning, we can shine love on one another with a You Are Love mask. That is $5. I wanted to draw your attention to a wonderful resource that has been put together by Pastor Leah for our children and parents here at Firewood. They are preschool-aged and elementary-aged workbooks that are filled with wonderful content that will provide a lesson, memory verse. There's also activities and a QR code that you can follow to a video that will go along with the workbook. 
These will be available at the church or online. Make sure you pick one up. This week we begin our brand new series called Tradition. As we look back at the Gospel of Luke, reminding ourselves what the season is all about. The series will culminate on Christmas Eve with a service at 5 o'clock that will be both in person and online. And over the next few weeks into the next few months, we are going to continue having our in-person service at 11 a.m. We will also be offering children and student ministry for those who feel comfortable. We just ask that while on campus, you wear your mask. All ministry will continue to be streamed via online and all of the information can be found on our website. And I do not want you to forget that you are loved. We'll see you soon. My name is Kenyatta, and this is my husband Lionel, my mother-in-law Kathy, my oldest daughter Cynthia, this is Caitlin, and this is LJ. And we're the Pipkin family, slash Roberts. My favorite Christmas tradition is getting to decorate the entire inside of the house and the outside of the house. I have the honor of getting on top of the roof and putting the lights up outside. And when we decorate the tree inside, we have a new color scheme every year and we listen to old Christmas music and decorate literally every room in our house. My favorite thing this year is because I'm super excited because this is my first Christmas gift with these guys. I'm super excited about everything that's gonna be going on and all the traditions that's gonna be occurring. Typically on Christmas Eve, we come to the Christmas Eve service uh, for praise and worship. And then we get to uh, hang out with our family and church and have hot chocolate and, and cookies. Once we get back home, we let them uh, open up their stockings. Um, and then once the kids go to bed, uh, we don't label any gifts. Uh, my wife has her own system in her head. Everything is, is wrapped without names on it. And so that night, we separate everything into piles for the kids uh, once they wake up in the morning. And then in the morning, we all put on our matching PJs, which is actually a new tradition that we have as of last year. And we get to open all our gifts. And after we open our gifts, we always make breakfast and we have Christmas breakfast together. And of course, uh, we all come together as a family for Christmas dinner. And also leaving our like our Christmas decorations up way after Christmas and getting a letter from our HOA. <laughs> That's also become a tradition because I absolutely love Christmas and usually don't want it to end. Christmas has always been very special to me. Um, growing up, it was always a really big deal in my family. Um, and so I've carried that throughout my life and tried to make it as magical um, and as heartfelt for my family as it was for me growing up. Merry Christmas! What a wonderful tradition. All right, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. We are in Luke chapter 1. You know what? Let's play this family at the end. Can we do that? 
All right, we're going we're gonna to hear from the Paxtons at the conclusion of the service. We're going to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. I heard you all say it on 3, 1, 2, 3. Yes, Luke chapter 1. Uh, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read the text, and then we're going to walk our way through it. Luke begins, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Elijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name what? John, that is right. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them, or before him. Him being who? Jesus. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Listen to this. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years, which is the polished way of saying it, right? Um, he's like, I'm old, but she's just advanced. Anyway, verse 19, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news, and behold, you will be silent. Talk about silent nights, silent nine months, uh, until these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and one of the most epic games of spiritual charades, making signs to them, trying to explain to them what happened. He remained mute. And after these days, I'm sorry, verse 23, and when the time of his service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. We're going to pray together, and, and we're going to ask the Lord, because this, is, this, this message in my own hands, it's five little loaves and two fish. 
It is insufficient to meet the spiritual needs of, of us gathered here and to you who are at home. And so let's pray together. We're going to ask that God is going to break this message uh, and bless it and break it and then uh, give to all who have need this morning. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for this wonderful preserved record that we can study your scriptures, that we can grow through your word. And, and Lord, over the course of this week, I have spent time with you and pray in, in prayer and in study of your word and in preparation. But Lord, I know that left in my hands, the, in my frail hands, this is insufficient to meet our need. And so, Lord, we ask together, we come together before you, we place this, this message before you, and we ask that you would, you would bless it, you would break it, and distribute it to each of us as we have need, as, as we pray this by faith. And all God's people say, amen. This is a wonderful time of year, would you all agree? I absolutely love this Christmas season. It is filled with wonderful traditions. You've got the hanging of the lights and putting up the Christmas trees. I uh, really appreciate all the volunteers uh, and those who came together. Uh, Leah Newman, Barbara Brown, Kathy Burke, and, and a bunch of volunteers to decorate the church. Doesn't it look beautiful? Yeah, it looks wonderful. And it just, it just feels good, right? The playing of Christmas music this week, we put up our, well, we had our tree up. Uh, but we kind of, we did it in, in stages, right? Like we put up some stuff and then we, we kind of went on with life. We put up a little bit more and uh, this week we actually decorated the tree. And, and our five-year-old, you know, it's still magical for them. You know, like our 14-year-old just kind of like threw an ornament at the tree. Uh, but our five-year-old, you know, he's so excited. And we're listening to Christmas music. And at one point, our, uh, uh, I guess he's, is Jed seven? He's eight. My wife so good. I think I have five children. I'm almost positive. Anyway, so we're listening to Christmas music, and at one point, our eight-year-old goes back, he's like dancing and going around the tree and knocking ornaments off, and I was like, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> and I literally, I've never had to say this before. You say the craziest things. Stop rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> Words actually came out of my mouth. Uh, it's just wonderful, though. It's like we turn to these traditions and, and the things that we enjoy. And one of the greatest traditions, I believe, in, in this season is the giving of gifts. And it gets kind of a bad rap, pardon the pun, uh, in this season because we talk about, oh, the consumeristic nature and yada, yada, yada of our culture. But then I think about it, I'm like, if you boil it down, it's really beautiful. Like we're going out and we're thinking about this person and we're, we're thinking creatively and like, and really on our hearts and minds is what is it going, what is, what is it that's going to make this person happy? What, what can I give them that's going to bring them some joy? You know, and we take this gift that we've purchased or that we've created and we wrap it up and we, we give it to them or we wait. And isn't it the best when we see them open it, you know, and their eyes light up? You know, and, and as the church right now, we're, we're turning back to this ancient tradition of the church of unwrapping the scriptures. And, and, and God, you know, he's the giver of all good gifts. It brings him joy when we open up these gifts. And, and as we open up the scriptures as Christians, we should, we should have hearts filled with joy. And this, this beautiful reminder, oh my gosh, the gifts that God has given. What a wonderful season, isn't it? So with all that in mind, we turn to Luke's gospel 
Absolutely love Luke. Uh, Gentile historian. Uh, he was most likely reached during the preaching and ministry, uh, missionary ministry of Paul the Apostle. And it's evident from like the earliest moments of his salvation, like he saturated himself in the teachings and, and in the writings and, and anything that he could get his hands on. Eyewitness accounts, I mean, you name it, he saturated himself of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And then in the Gospel of Luke, which is really a letter of sorts, to a guy by the name of Theophilus, he sets out uh, to give a reliable historical record so that Theophilus or any person who would pick up this text would have greater certainty of the things that they believe and the greater certainty of the things that we believe. And, and we turn to the opening lines of the gospel. It's a massive run-on sentence, the first four verses. In fact, this would give any contemporary English teacher fits. You ain't passing with a grade on this one if you turn this thing in. But uh, it was very, very common in the first century. Uh, it was classical Greek style. And he begins by giving the purpose but also the foundation, like here is the, here is the underlying research method. Here's how I've studied this. I've given you a reliable record. He says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me. He's like, I've received this teaching, I've received this good gift, and in the heart of the gospel, I now want to give it away. Isn't that the heart of the gospel? We receive from the Lord, and then we want to give it away. And he says, I've, it seemed good to me, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, and is definitely orderly, most excellent Theophilus. I love this guy's name, by the way. Theophilus, his name means lover of God. Not a great name. Theos, lover of Theos. And, and really, this, this letter, this gospel is written to any lover of God. If you love God, this is for you. He says that you may have certainty. Would you all agree we're in some pretty uncertain times? Man, everything's uncertain. Wouldn't, don't we need a little bit of certainty in this life, in this time? And, and that's what Luke says. He's like, I'm writing these things so that you have some certainty, that your life is being built on something of substance concerning the things that you have taught. So like Luke's referencing other writers, probably Matthew and Mark, and he's referencing eyewitness accounts. Luke most definitely spent time with apostles, and he spent time with those who had, who had been with Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, and so he sets out to put together an orderly account so that we can have certainty of the things that we are being taught and the things that we are studying. Family, I just want to say this. It's, this is why it is so important. Just that introduction reminds me of why it is so important that all of our teaching come from the Scripture. Okay? Because that is the reliable and certain record. And by the way, it is, it's historical. Right? Like, this is not like a faith-based fairy tale. This is a reliable record of the things that actually happened. And, and all of our teaching needs to come from, directly from the text. To deviate from this is to deviate from the reliable record and from the truth. And so for his introduction, following that, Luke begins to unfold redemption history, and he begins at a point where no other gospel writer begins with. I don't know if you've ever been reading through the gospel and you run into a crazy, wild-eyed guy by the name of John. You ever run into John the Baptist? And you're like, who is this guy? 
eaten locusts, mm, nom, 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 and wild honey, right? Dressed in camel's hair. And you're like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Well, Luke sets out to tell us this guy's origin story. And really, he serves a very, very important piece. He, he creates a very important piece of the redemption puzzle. So he begins to unfold John's story in verse 5. And as a great historian, he puts a timestamp on it. He says this, in the days of Herod, king of Judea. Now, we can look back at history. We know that Herod the Great ruled uh, from some point in time, like 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. Okay, and, and I'm placing, and I, I believe this, what we're about to read is probably later in Herod's reign. And so I'm putting this somewhere around 5 or 4 B.C., these events that are about to unfold. He says, in the days of Herod, king of Judah, uh, Judea, there was a priest by the name of Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And so we're introduced to this priest and his wife. We're told that he is of the order of Abijah. Now, in the time of Jesus, there was roughly 18,000 to 20,000 priests. So Zechariah is just one of 20,000, right? And he's of the order of Abijah. There were 24 divisions, and basically they served kind of on a rotation. So they would serve a week, they'd have like six months off, they serve another week, they have some time off, they come back together for high holy days. Uh, uh, but there was this rotation, and so he's just one of one division, one of 20,000, but God had a very significant purpose for this man's life and for his wife's life. You know, the scriptures, there's a lot in the name, Okay. There's a lot in a name. You know, for my own self, my name is Christopher, okay? So the name means Christ bearer. Now, that was not true for the first 20 some odd years of my life. I was a carrier of all kinds of things, but it wasn't Jesus. And I was a bearer of all kinds of stuff, but it definitely wasn't Jesus. But there was a point in time where God knew, like superintending my story, that there would be a day when I would, I would be that Christ bearer. And, and today, I am that. So what's in a name? So the name Zechariah, it means Yahweh remembers. Elizabeth's name uh, meant, or means God's covenant. And so this husband and wife coming together, Yahweh remembers his covenant. Isn't that cool? What's in a name, right? And that's so true in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth, as we will see. Well, we, we get to know more of this couple, righteous. Uh, it says they were both righteous before God, verse 6 walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And perfect, no. Faithful, yes. But. We read in verse 7 a, an, odd, uh, uh, an odd statement when we read about this couple being so faithful and godly and walking blamelessly and all that before the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Those two statements don't seem to go together. Because they're like faithful to God. And, and, and children were and still are God's blessings. So then you look at this, this couple, you're like, but they're godly and faithful. Why would God withhold from them a blessing? And it's something that they desire. Why would God keep this couple from experiencing this blessing? I love what Daryl Bach writes. He says, sometimes we are deprived of something because God has better things awaiting us down the road. Boy, isn't that hard to hold on to? Isn't that hard to hold on to that God may have something better for us down the road when we're not holding the thing we want more than anything? 
Boy, it's hard to hold on to that. And the way the narrative reads, it's not just that they didn't have any kids, it's that they had no children, couldn't have any children, and wouldn't have any children. But any time in the text, uh, and, and through the Old Testament we see this, any time there's this reference of barrenness or not having children, you kind of perk up your ears because you know God's about to do something miraculous. We see this in the life of Abraham and Sarah. We see this in Isaac and Rebekah. We see this in Elkanah and Hannah, and soon Zechariah and Elizabeth. So during the year, it just so happened, I love the just so happens, right? Like the circumstances that just so happened to coincide with God's like superintended will. Anyway, just so happened, it came for Zechariah's week-long rotation at the temple. Luke 1, verses 8 through 9. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, listen to this, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. You can just write in the, in the, in the, in the, in your Bible, you used to write chosen by God, okay? Uh, to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. Now, I don't know if there's a, like a point in your career or whatever that you're looking for and you're like, this is going to be the day, like winning the Super Bowl, winning a World Series, um, I, I don't know, making that big contract or, or whatever it is, that thing that when you get there, you're going to rise to that uh, and, and you're, you've arrived or whatever. Well, this was the high watermark of any priest's career. Okay, a priest got one opportunity their whole life to enter into the temple and enter into the holy place and to offer incense. Okay, and this is significant because as they would enter in, the incense were symbolic of the prayers of Israel. So they would enter in and the priest would be offering prayers as they offered symbolic prayers on the altar and the people would be outside. We see this in verse 10, praying. So it's just saturated in prayer and this would be as close as, as a priest would get to the Holy of Holies. They would literally be within reach of the veil that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies could only be accessed by the high priest once a year. And so this was a significant moment. I have a, I got a laser pointer. Are you all excited? I'm so excited. It's been a while, right? I haven't had my laser pointer for a while. Well, here's a picture of Herod's temple. Um, this is just, this is a great uh, rendition of what it looks like. Massive, right? Isn't that massive? There's, there's a little Zachariah right there. Well, it's probably not Zachariah, but I'm going to say that's little Zachariah down there. Um, and it just beautiful limestone that would just, that would literally shine in the sun and, and overlaid with gold. And so the priest would enter into this massive doorway, this entrance, and would go into the holy place. And along the walls of the holy place, that's all gold right there, like overlaid in gold, just beautiful, right? There would be the, the, uh, the, the candle, um, hmm, uh, what am I trying to say here? The candle stands of the menorahs that would be burning, uh, and, and just that beauty. And then the table of the showbread, and then there would be the incense, the altar of incense. That's where the prayers would go up, right in front of the veil. And so Zechariah enters in. enters in quietly and he cleans the table and he prepares the incense and he begins to pray and all of a sudden the phone rings <laughs> for 400 years God had been silent no vision no word from heaven that literally the final lines penned in the book of Malachi, in your Old Testament, the last lines of Malachi were the last lines of revelation for the people. They had been waiting 400 years at this point. 
The last lines of, of the book of Malachi read this, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn. Listen to this. This is so significant, y'all. What God, the power of God. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers that there would literally be a restoration of the most important of earthly relationships, that between a father and a child that is often eroded and torn down by sin is being restored by the power of God. And it's really highlighting an even greater relationship that is between us and our Father in heaven, between God's people and, and God. And he goes on to say uh, to the hearts of the fathers, it's like, come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And there's like this, this, this fulfillment, and there's, a, uh, there's this ultimate fulfillment, and they were waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden, Zechariah, just one of 20,000, right? He's just going in. It's this highlight of his career. Like, he's, he's, this is Super Bowl, and he's entering into the holy place, and, he, and he's offering prayers. And then all of a sudden, an angel materializes in front of him. Would that trip you out? I, I think that would surprise me. Hmm. Uh, verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So he's praying. All of a sudden there's a guy standing there or an angelic being. And immediately he's troubled. When he saw him, he fear fell upon him. Every time an angel shows up, people get scared. There's something about their presence. They are in the presence of God, and then we're standing in their presence, and anything in the presence of God is pure and holy, and he's in the holy place, and then all of a sudden a holy angel shows up, and he's terrified, and the angel's like, don't be scared. I'm not here bringing a message of fear. I'm here bringing you a message of joy. Your prayer's been heard. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. What prayer do you think the, the angel's referencing here? So we know that as a priest, he would be offering prayers for the redemption of Israel, right? Like God's heard that prayer. He'd heard that prayer. But there was probably a little bit more of an intimate prayer, isn't there? Mm -hmm. That Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for a long time. You know, they'd been praying to, to have a child. And they had prayed for years and years. I don't know if you've ever had a prayer, something that you've desired, something that you've wanted, and you pray for it, like year after year after year. And then all of a sudden you go, ah, oh, it's just too late. And you kind of, you get, distance begins to, to take place in between that prayer and where you're at. And, and, and really, I think for, for Zechariah and Elizabeth, this was a distant memory. But God had heard the prayer, fully intended to answer that prayer. But we got to remember that God has a way of answering prayers that it's not only a blessing to us, but it's a blessing to others. And they had prayed for a son or they had prayed for a child. But you know what? God was going to give them a John. Verse 14. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. What wonderful themes. You know, through the gospel of Luke, joy and gladness is repeated over and over and over. You know why? Because there's joy in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And there's joy in this season. And right now, that joy is being robbed. We're being, it's being stolen from us. And as Christians and as a church, we got to reclaim joy. Joy is ours in Christ. 
There is joy in the Lord. There's power in His Spirit. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. I got joy, 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 joy down in my, down in my, down in my heart. Right? Can we have joy? Can we just reclaim a little bit of that joy? I hope so. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I love when y'all bring the littles in here. It does not bother me. I don't get distracted. Other than I just want to be like them. Because the kingdom is for the littles, isn't it? That we take that posture of childlike faith. Oh, what a great reminder. We forget about that when we get older, don't we? We forget that childlike posture of like simple faith. And we say things to littles and, and they go, and then all of a sudden we get older and we're like, oh, I don't really know about that. <laughs> That's exactly what we sound like, by the way. <laughs> Verse 15, the angel continues, listen to this. Listen to who this child's going to be. For he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. That literally from within the womb, he would be filled with the Spirit. We see that in Luke 1. But listen to his ministry. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. You see that restoration? And will go before him in the spirit. Go before him. 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 Who's him? Jesus. He will go before him, the Lord, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Your son is going to be the one that prepares the way for Messiah. It was just all so overwhelming for Zechariah. I can imagine. I don't know if you've ever been given news or things from God, and you're like, that's just too overwhelming. There is something that God is revealing to me, and I just, my heart can't contain it all. And, and there's this, and the mind is just racing and all of that. But Zechariah just could not comprehend it because he's like looking at it, and he's like, hey, by the way, Gabriel, well, he doesn't know his name yet, but you got to know something. Something you probably overlooked, and maybe God doesn't know this either, but verse 18 Zechariah said to the Lord, how shall I know this? How is this possible for I am an old man and my wife, again, is advanced in years. Isn't that nice? He doesn't call his wife old. No, she's advanced. <laughs> but what is he saying to the angel? Ah, uh, you, you misunderstood something. Because this is impossible. See, we prayed for that. See, if this had happened 20 years ago, yes, yes. Oh, that would, be, that would be so wonderful. Or maybe even 30 years ago. But it's not possible. We do need to be careful with what we say, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes they'll be our last words for a while. This will be the last thing that Zechariah says for the next nine and a half so odd months. Verse 19, the angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel. Very significant uh, angel in the scriptures. We see him in Daniel and we see him very prominently in Luke. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you. Who sent Gabriel? God. When God speaks, it happens. And we can get into our, or in our world where we start to struggle with faith and belief systems and all that. And we're like, well, God's word says this, but I don't know if I believe it. You know what? When God speaks, it happens. He says, I speak to you to bring to you this good news. 
And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place. Why? Because you didn't believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. But this is tough because, you know, sometimes I'll read, and some people are really tough on Zechariah. Oh, I can't believe this guy didn't believe. I put myself in his sandals, and I'm like, I would have struggled to believe this. This would have been really overwhelming. But here's the deal. Zechariah was a priest. He knew the promises and the expectations. He knew the scroll of Malachi. He just didn't know that as he was reading through Malachi and getting to those final words, that it was literally talking about his son. Like He's literally reading a fulfillment and promises, not realizing that God was going to fulfill that promise in and through his family. And so, verse 21, the people are waiting outside. They have no idea what's happening inside. As, as Zechariah's mind just being blown wide open, that the, this one in the power of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord, that means the Lord is coming, and, the, and this is going to happen, and Elizabeth's going to be pregnant. And they're waiting outside, and they're like, what's going on in there? It says they were wondering at his delay. In verse 22, he came out, and he was unable to speak to them. So he was supposed to pronounce the high ironic uh, blessing that we find in, uh, in Numbers uh, chapter 6, verse 24 through 26, that he was literally going to walk out and speak over the people, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Isn't that a beautiful blessing? But he's mute, he can't say anything. And then again, like the most epic game of spiritual charades, like he's making signs to them, he's explaining to them, he's like, uh, I walked into the temple, um, and there's a table, and the incense were going up, and I'm praying, and I'm, ah, there's, there's an angel, and he talked to me, and Elizabeth's going to be pregnant, uh, and, and, and the Lord, the Lord, he's coming, and we're going to prepare the way. <laughs> And they're like, I have no idea what happened in there. But we're assuming God spoke to this guy. Uh, or something's gone terribly wrong with his psychology or something. We don't know. Something's happening. And there was expectation. And it was heightened. In verse 23, the time of his service came to a close. He went home, ran home. <laughs> I imagine he was unable to speak, but maybe a little frisky. Anyway. <laughs> That's how it happens. I can imagine that when Elizabeth greeted Zechariah, there was maybe a little romance in the air. There certainly wasn't any talking going on. Anyway, verse 24. <laughs> After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Ah. When God says something's going to happen, it happens. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me. Listen to this. He's looked on me. He's removed my reproach. You know, for years, she had watched as others had joy of a child. You know, every reveal party, every, every uh, celebration, every, every, every time they gather together to celebrate another, the stroller being pushed down the, the streets, you know, it just, it reminded her and she felt this reproach. And God gave her this blessing. And there are some blessings, man, 
that God just fully intends to give us. And, and nine months later, there was John. Is that God? I heard the phone ring. Um, and John the Baptist was born. And this is exactly where we'll pick up next week. So a few spiritual recommendations. Like, like right, we don't walk out of here with nothing. We, how do we live this? How do we apply what we studied this morning? Uh, how can we apply it this week to our spiritual lives? The first uh, application or spiritual recommendation is this. Trust in what you read. There's times where we open the Bible and we're like, I don't know. Uh, is this accurate? Like, but you got to trust what you read. Like Luke and every writer of the Bible filled with the Holy Spirit set out to preserve the accurate and faithful record of God's Word. Did you know that makes every single page of our Bible precious? Every single page of our Bible is precious. It is reliable. It is trustworthy. It has everything that we need to build and live a, a faithful, spirit-filled life godly lives and we could walk before the lord and we walk in and through the scriptures we live this scripture we apply it to our life we study it and we can trust what we read there are many today who try to throw shade on the bible but they've been doing that forever because they don't have faith they don't believe but here's the deal. These words can be trusted. We can build our spiritual life on them. And so here's the recommendation. Find opportunity to turn to the scriptures this week. If you're awake at 7.30 in the morning, you're, you're bouncing around and you're starting your day, why don't, you, why don't you join us for a Bible study on Facebook? It's about 15 minutes long on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Plug into a men's and women's Bible study that meet on, on Wednesday evening. It's on Zoom. I get it. We all have Zoom fatigue. But if we want to study the Bible, who cares about Zoom fatigue? We're going to get and study the Bible, right? We have, we have youth group uh, where our kids are getting together to study the Bible. Get your kids plugged in. You know, find opportunity. You know, people often talk about, I want to live a spirit-filled life. I want to grow my spiritual life. But, and you're like, okay, we'll take these steps. And they're like, ah, uh, I don't have time for that. Then I'm like, you don't have time for the spiritual life. Okay, so you may idealize something, but the actual practical working out of that. And so I want to encourage us, turn to the scriptures this week. Turn to them with your family. Dads, open up the text. Mom, open up the text. Read the narrative. You've just studied it. We, you can walk your family through this. What a wonderful opportunity. Okay, so trust in what you read. Read it. Sec <clears throat> Secondly, Trust that the Lord has a greater purpose. Okay, so here's the deal. It's hard when we're waiting on something that we want more than anything. For years, Zachariah and Elizabeth waited. And we may pray, and there may be something that we want more than anything. We pray and we pray and we pray and pray and pray, and it doesn't seem to happen. And, and, and you know, God does something. Here, here's the deal. For years, I'd been praying a prayer. For years. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm just kind of giving up and praying on that. Because I just, I just, too much time has passed. And I'm like, this just isn't going to be fulfilled. But now I'm sitting here and I'm watching as God is beginning to unfold things. And I'm going, oh, it's way bigger than I, I was thinking. And it was more, it was, it's just different. And it's better. And in the, these, these reality, these moments where we re realize that Zechariah Elizabeth prayed for a son, but God gave them a John. Trust that God has greater purposes. 
And when we see those purposes fulfilled, there's joy and there's gladness, not just for ourselves, but there's joy and gladness for others. God loves to give good gifts. He does. If you question that, remind yourself this week that God gave us his son. God loves to give us good gifts. But some of God's greatest blessings take time. Take time. Patience is a tough one, isn't it? Y'all remember last, last week's acronym, please be patient, God is not finished with me yet? Please be patient. God is not finished with you yet. He has plans and purposes. Trust this week. And then right here, waiting for God, which really ties into God's best blessing taking time. The people of Israel waited hundreds of years. Zechariah and Elizabeth had waited years. And there are times where it feels like God is silent and we're waiting for something. Y'all ever feel that way? Like you're just like waiting and waiting and waiting. And what, what, is, that, what is that emotion, that, that feeling, that anxiousness? That, and sometimes we just start to take over, right? Like if we're not hearing from God, we just kind of override. We're like, okay, Lord, I'm not hearing from you. I'm going to take care of this. How does that usually work out? <laughs> it's a mess for ourselves and for others, isn't it? Um, I was in that place this week. Ooh, rocking in fear. Isn't fear awesome? Fear gets a lot of stuff done. Yeah. Um, but that's where I was. And, and I turned to the scriptures, and um, you ever turn to the Bible you don't really want to read? Like it was to a passage, too, that I'd read many times, and I'm like, oh, this passage again? Man, my brain is broken. And I'm sitting there, and I begin to read it, and then this is what God said to me. It was like he said, Chris, peace, be still. And I just went, took a big spiritual breath of air, and I just exhaled. Peace, be still. Lord, we thank you for... Uh, your scriptures. We thank you for the faithful work of Luke and uh, the other writers that you so powerfully moved upon them to preserve for us a record for our spiritual lives. We thank you for the arrival, the promise, the birth of John and, and the anticipation that grows in our hearts of knowing who is to follow. Prepare our hearts, uh, Lord, for next week as we, as we turn and we hear, hear what Gabriel does and the life uh, of this, this young Jewish girl named Mary. This profound miracle that she would bear a son. The fulfillment, the promises made in Isaiah fulfilled in this young lady's life. And through her, ah, Jesus is born. Jesus, we love you more than anything. We love you more in our very lives because you've given us life. Be with us as we go out into this world this week. Remind us of the true nature of this season. Restore the joy that is getting stolen. Give us the spiritual eyes and breath of your spirit. We love you, Jesus. And if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you've not invited him into your life, in the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe. Please come into my life. Please save me and make me new. That is truly your heart's prayer. The Bible declares you've passed from death to life, from blindness to spiritual sight. 
you are forever a son or daughter of the living God. Welcome to the family. We rejoice, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, family. Before we have our benedicts or our closing, I want to ask uh, prayerfully over the month of December, prayerfully uh, consider uh, a generous gift as, as we go through the month of December. Um, that the Lord stir in our hearts generosity as we close out this calendar year. It's been a crazy year. Would you all agree? Has it been a crazy year? Oh, man. But there's still blessings in it. And uh, Lord, we're asking for his blessings. And so I ask that uh, if you've brought an offering, we have our offering boxes or online. Uh, but please prayerfully consider that. Um, we are also going to continue our in-person services, our service, uh, through the month of December and, and on into the future. And we're going to do everything we can to continue having an in-person service and continue to minister online because we think both are important, right? It's important. And uh, I appreciate you all being here and wearing masks and all that stuff. And that, that's just really awesome. Um, but we're going to close. I want to I share the, the, uh, the family uh, video here, Traditions. These, this is the Paxton family. My name is Elijah, this is Jess, also known as my mom, and uh, this is Josh, also known as my dad. One of the traditions that we do on Christmas Eve is we like to give reindeer food to the reindeer so that way they're not hungry on their next stop. So how we make it is we grab some oak flakes, and uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and place half, but we're gonna place it in this little bucket, which you may not be able to see really well, but. So we got, we got this placed in, and now, uh, Ooh, we like to make it pretty, don't we? Yes, we do. And we're just gonna get a little dose of this in. Glitter. Yes. So that is a big old glitter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now, for our last stop, we have to put in a little bit of this stuff. I know what you're thinking. This is an edible brain beer. Well, this is an edible from where. I don't know how to eat it. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pour a little bit of this. We also usually go to church on the on Christmas Eve. That's a Paxton Christmas Eve tradition. What? Thanks so much, everybody. Have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Well, now you know how to make reindeer food. Isn't that awesome? All right, let's stand together. Uh, let's stand together at home as well. Now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family. You 
our love. Have a wonderful week and uh, share that love with others. And you are loved at home as well. We'll see you next time.